Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. Well, thank you, Marketeers, for joining us. Today, I have on Julie Yuval. She is the head of marketing at Beck Technology. She is part of a five-member leadership team for the fast-growing pre-construction tech company. When Julie started with her company in 2012, there were 12 team members, and she was the first marketing hire. Now, the company has surpassed 60 employees and live out their core values of passion, innovation, and caring on a daily basis. Welcome, Julie. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So my favorite question to start off with, how did you get started in this industry? What's your story? You know, I think like most of us, it wasn't planned at all, but <laughs> I'm, I'm actually a third generation construction worker. My dad, my grandfather, cousins, uncles, this is the industry that we work in, you know, starting into the marketing and BD side of it. I actually started off in human resources of all things. And people that know me think are shocked when they hear that, but I started an HR and an engineering firm and they saw that I had communication skills and I loved talking to people and, and connecting with folks. And so it was a natural fit whenever they had an opening in their marketing department to want to do some project pursuit stuff. So that's like the very beginning of it many moons ago, it seems like, but yeah, that's, that's where I got started and went from HR directly into marketing and then starting getting into business development and then got a business degree and then started helping run a company. And that was a really short way of saying pretty much my career story, but it's also, it was a very long road to get to where I'm at today. But again, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a blast. I feel like the way I said it was just like super short and like, oh yeah, super easy. It's not easy. It's, it takes a lot of work <laughs> and effort. So yeah. Well, now it makes sense why we're talking about this. So I brought you on here to talk about company culture. And so to start off with, I suppose, how would you define company culture? So that is a really great question. What I want people to think about is like, think about your personal culture. So like Keelan, like you as an individual, what is your personal culture? And whenever you start to think about it, it's, you know, the history of you. It's the history of your family. It may be influenced from where you grew up. There's also emotions in there. There's storytelling in there. There's, there's all the stuff that makes the personal culture of a person. So whenever you think of company culture, it's very similar. It's the combination. And, and I actually got this from the Society for Human Resource Management. It's the combination of a human nature, the relationship to your industry, the emotions that are part of a business, and then also the effectiveness of that business. And so while I don't have a lovely formula to say this is what company culture is, and it's really hard to define, yeah. but it's also one of those things that there's so many nuances that make up a company culture piece, and it's not one person dictating it, and it's not one person driving it. It is a collective culture of the people that work at a company. And I suppose that makes sense of why it would be so difficult to define because it is a really difficult concept or skill to sort of master as a company. So naturally it would be difficult to put a pin on. It, it is. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, as the collective group of team members, peers, employees, you know, they, 
should all have diverse backgrounds, but they all share the same core values. So, you know, whenever we're hiring, you want to hire people that are going to mesh well with your core values. And then that continues to help build company culture. So yeah, it's this, it's come as like this amorphous blob that's out there and it's very important for business, but it's also like, well, how do you actually define it? And again, for every company, it's going to be different, which is why I think it's hard to, to put a, you know, a finger on like, well, a company culture is XYZ, but it's really the makeup of that business. And then also from the leadership team of how do you want your business to be perceived in your industry? That helps define what your company culture is. So if you want to be seen as, you know, innovative and young and hip and constantly pushing the envelope, that's going to feel like a different company culture than a company that wants to be seen as, you know, stable and traditional and play it safe. And a lot of times like that's how like you want to see that in your financial institutions, right? Right. Um, Don't play with my money people, but (laughs) it's uh, it's one of those things of, you know, taking, I think those four things of the human nature, the relationship to the industry, the emotions, and then also the effectiveness. I think that does define how the company culture is created. Definitely. So then Twisting this to a more relevant side, how do you feel company culture has changed throughout COVID? So I guess this this might be a two-part question. Where do you think company culture was pre-COVID and now during COVID? Pre-COVID, it was one of those things that, well, I mean, of course, this is, you know, preaching to the choir. Human connections were a lot more, both good and bad. People could go to the office and they can be like, man, I really don't like sitting next to this person. You know, they have weird mannerisms or they said something about me in a meeting or, you know, you start to have those, the good and bad side of human interactions. I think pre-COVID, the visual learners thrived. Those of us that like to come into an office and we have to have maybe some really in-depth conversations and then we can whiteboard it out and really understand what we're talking about. And then you move that to like during COVID and like, how do you whiteboard that stuff out today so easily? Because pre-COVID, the ad hoc conversations, while it also felt like a distraction during the workday, it also spurred a lot of ideas. And so as we've moved into this virtual work environment for those that went to work from home because of COVID, it's going, okay, so how do we how do we still do the ad hoc conversations and still be a resource to other people without having to like schedule a meeting and schedule a Zoom call or do something on Teams or let's talk on Slack. I feel like today during COVID, we are having to schedule a lot more, which is also making our calendars very bulky. And it's hard to move stuff around because you may be like, I really need to talk to this person, but I also have a meeting with a customer and I need to talk to this vendor. And So the schedules are are getting kind of crazy these days during COVID. But the company culture part of the pre-COVID is like, it was easy to see. If you were in the office and everyone else was in the office, you could see it, you could feel it. You could also make course corrections if something wasn't going uh, the way you wanted it to. And it was also on the flip side of that, it was also something that people, companies could sweep under the rug and going, yeah, you know, we may promote that we have this great company culture, but if you don't actually facilitate it and have it thrive, it really just turns into marketing messaging that's not 100% factual. So I may be throwing out some dirt and people are going, oh my gosh, she's talking about my company. <laughs> that's not the case. Every company has 
done one of these things before and you just learn from it. But I think pre-COVID, like I said, it, it's one of those things you could you could feel and you could sense and you could see the company culture. And then all of a sudden, whenever you go virtual, there is a struggle to see that and to sense it. But also whenever you're in the office, things get busy, you get distracted and company culture, while it is very important, I do know companies that they talk a good game, but it's swept under the rug. And and I know that there's employees that are miserable out there, but it, it's a double-edged sword, right? Sure. Yeah. And then, but like during COVID, we do the virtual hangouts, but those only go so far. And part of that is, I think, you know, we're missing that one-on-one human interaction to be able to talk to people and, and have some in-depth conversations, but nothing about work. It could just be about life itself. And I think having a healthy company culture, it it can still thrive in these virtual hangouts, the remote working, but it's going to need to adjust to that environment. So a lot of times, like, I mean, this even happened at Beck Technology, we left the office and I think it's been almost a year now. You look about it going, yeah, it's going to be, we're going to be working from home two to three weeks. And it's like, oh, a year later, it's fine. I know, I know. (laughs) Um, But it's, you know, during COVID, it's one of those things of how, how do you take this culture that was so vibrant in the office and then transition it into a virtual work environment? And I mean, we, we still are finding ways to make that happen. And even after a year of being remote, I will say this, it's not, it's not the responsibility of one department. It's not the responsibility of one individual. So like to really maintain your company culture during COVID, it takes the effort of every team member that wants to see that culture thrive. So like employees must make the time for those personal connections. And we do coffee dates, virtual coffee dates. And I've done a couple with employees and just to hang out. And also like people, not even in my department, we hang out, we chit chat, we talk and we get to know each other. It's a lot of fun. And then, you know, I think the other thing is looking at your leadership team members and they should be encouraging that type of activity as well as doing it themselves. So it's one thing for me to say, hey, yeah, you guys go and like do a coffee hangout and schedule time to meet with other people. But if I'm not doing it, then I'm a hypocrite. So I'm also leading by example and making sure that it's something that is something that works for the company, works for our company culture. The other thing is too, is planning stuff ahead of time. Because of COVID, we had to move all of our quarterly meetings, which they used to be a half day event. We would do some team bonding stuff in there. And now we've moved it to a virtual learning management system that we use. And so again, we've had to pull some stuff out of our bag of tricks to make it work for the business that it is today. But even what happens after COVID and like, well, what do we do differently that we weren't able to, or something that we did before, but it went so well during COVID that we're just going to continue doing it after COVID's no longer in our vocabulary. There's all these ideas out there of how to, how do you improve the company culture and keep people connected and get them talking and interacting with each other. I don't think anybody has quite figured it out, but I think we're getting better at it as the days and weeks and months go on. I think the other thing is like, again, I hope no one thinks I'm calling them out, but if your people had to work from home because of COVID and all of a sudden they're more productive from being at home and they're happier being at home, it could be a sign that your office culture wasn't the the best thing for them to be in. 
So like I said, again, if you're sitting next to someone, you're like, man, I do not like this person. I don't want to be sitting next to them. And then all of a sudden you get to work from home and you no longer have to deal with that person. Then it's like, man, this is great. And so I think there goes to a bigger problem of like, hey, your, your company culture may not have been as great, but also you probably have some personnel issues that if you want everyone to come back, you're probably going to have a, a bigger uphill climb to do with getting everyone on the same page so that people can work successfully for the business. Sure. That, that all great points. Have you experienced or even heard of some effective ways to bring culture in during COVID? Yeah. So we had our big annual retreat. We do a company annual retreat every year. Before COVID, we would take the entire company somewhere and it would be, you know, one night, two days, one night stay. And we dive deep into objectives and goals and where we want to take the business. And we do a lot of team bonding. Well, with COVID, you can't do that in a, in a safe manner. So what we ended up doing last year for our annual retreat is it was a, it was a full day event. We still did a lot of the sessions about where we're at as a business and where we plan to go in the next one year, three year, 10 year markers that we have. And then we also did a lot of breakout sessions. They were a mix between hanging out and having fun versus let's get together in a small room and we're going to talk about how are we going to increase, you know, the cleanliness of our data in our CRM? How are we going to better service these customers? So like we were talking about work stuff in some breakout sessions, and then we were having playing games in other sessions. So I think that's a, a nice little mix, but also we had set it at, aside a full day to do that. And then I think on the day-to-day -day stuff, one of my team members, she introduced the idea of donut dates with people in the company. And so she reaches out to, she has a certain number that she's trying to reach out to this quarter. And she just sets up times with them, it's 30 minutes to catch up. They, they talk about, you know, life, family, school, what movies they're watching, all that stuff. So I think having those one-on-one -on -one conversations. The other thing is, especially in the AEC world, we don't work in factories and so there's this whole human side of, of the people that are in our business. And so we have on our Teams channel, we have a, a what are you eating channel, we have a what are you watching channel, and what are you reading channel. And so people can share books, movies, TV shows, different kind of recipes that they're doing. And there's jokes, there's pranks happening on our Teams channel. And it's just, you, you want to have a space for people to come and interact and laugh, enjoy the workday. And, you know, once, hey, workday's done and I'm gonna shut off my computer and oh my gosh, I'm still at home. At least it, it's a nice little break between the business and home life. And, you know, we're still trying to figure out how do we improve that even more and how do we make sure that our company culture stays intact pre-COVID, during COVID and post-COVID. And so we're coming up with new ideas all the time of how do we make sure people feel heard and I think that's a big part of company culture is that we want people, one, as a leadership team, we want to listen to our employees. The flip side of that, we want them to have a space where they feel like it's comfortable enough for them to, to bring a topic up to talk about. So one of our core behaviors here is no sacred cows. And, you know, nothing's off the table. Ask us questions about why do we do stuff the way that we do it? And you're not going to get reprimanded for it. It's encouraged. And I think having... The core behavior training is a great way to instill your, your company culture, but then also finding space for people to be 
human beings and, and a holistic person and not just business and home life. There's, there's so much more to humans than just that. Yeah, totally agreed. So you brought this up. What do you think the future of company culture looks like? You know, this goes into the big discussion with what does commercial real estate look like? Right. Um, and there's so much conversation about that out there right now of, you know, the commercial offices are going to change. If people don't need a dedicated office or a dedicated desk to do their job and be productive, then what do they need an office space for? So for Beck Tech, one of the things that we're exploring is there's some people in our company that they thrive on being in the office. They thrive on those ad hoc conversations. And so those individuals may get a dedicated office space, a dedicated desk. But for the majority of the company, we just need to come in and be able to collaborate. And we don't care where we sit. We just, you know, we just need to throw our stuff down because we're going to run into a conference room. So we're really looking at how do we make our office space more of a collaboration space, so more meeting areas, more informal type of things. That's going to be one aspect of like the physical offices that we're in. I think the other thing is, you know, you have some people that are just, man, they're killing it working remotely. And so they have figured out, I have a, a person on my team, she traveled, like she's traveling safely, of course, but she's traveling to different locations and she's working from the mountains this week. And a couple of weeks ago, she worked from the beach and she's spending time with family and she's spending time with friends and she's not missing any deadlines and she's doing a great job for the company. So there's some people that they've been able to figure out what works well for them and what kind of lifestyle that they want. So even for the future of like, what is the office structure look like? You're going to have this hybrid model of people that, yes, I need to be in the office. You're going to have people that say, you know, I'm doing great not coming into an office. And you're going to have people that want to do a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. And so then you have to think about, you know, do we have the tech to support this? And not just the technology of like your computers, your laptops and stuff like that, but also the AV equipment. So we do a weekly company huddle. It's 15 minutes every Wednesday but it's everyone in the company calls into it and we give an update of where we're at as a business from department heads, events going on, all sorts of stuff. And if you have this hybrid model of people in the office, people remote, you need to have that AV equipment that can capture audio really well. You need to have the camera equipment that can actually capture people talking in the right space and not having people move off screen. And, you know, there's that aspect. It's a production value aspect of it to make sure that the people that are remote still feel connected and the people that are in the office feel like, okay, I'm, I'm part of this conversation as well. So here's the other thing of like, we're going to have a shift in priorities. Like we've already seen it today. Hey, if you're, if you're sick, if your family's sick, you go take care of them. The shift in priorities and lifestyles, it's going to be one of those things of, I'm even looking at it whenever, again, COVID's no longer in our vocabulary and whatever our office structure look like. I'm probably only going to come to my office once or twice a week. But that's also because I like having the flexibility of the life I've built during COVID of you know being able to be at home to have dinner with my husband or I'm going to go for a run in the morning and I'm going to do a longer gym session so I, then I'm not having to rush back home get ready and then head to the office like there's this whole shift in how people perceive what's important and before COVID business and career may have been more important than some of these other things 
Mm -hmm. now that we're fulfilling the good life of like, oh, wait, I can do this career that I love and I can do this life that I've built and have this happy medium. I think that's going to also drastically change what does, you know, the office structure look like because you're going to have people that are demanding, hey, this is the type of life I want to live business. You better support this or I'm going to go find another company that is going to support it because companies are reading the writing on the wall. They have to work with people in the space that they want to work in. Absolutely. Especially after no one having an option of whether or not to work from home. Mm -hmm. So totally agreed. It's, it's really cool to hear what other companies are planning. I know that at Stantec, we have sort of a similar structure for the future that's been laid out that we all took surveys on. And it's a similar situation where if you see yourself coming into the office, maybe once or twice, you'd get like a hot desk situation. Mm -hmm. You're being offered the opportunity to work from home full time if you'd like to. And if you plan on being there three to four times a week, you maybe switch off with one other person. So you have your designated workspace and then you just sort of trade off with another person who will be there on the days that you're not there. And then those people, like you said, who just need to be in the office, have their own office space. So it is really interesting and it's going to be interesting to see how, how our company cultures adapt to our new working situations. Well, and I knew of several companies before COVID that said, hey, we're, we're not built to have remote employees. We're so sorry, but this is, you know, you have to come into the office. And then whenever COVID hit, COVID was like, oh, no, no, no. If you want to stay in business, you've got to have remote. And so, Psych. you know, those companies that were so like very traditional thinking that all of a sudden, like, oh my gosh, if we want to keep our doors open, we have to figure this out. Right. And they figured it out. And then all of a sudden going, well, wait, this actually works. We're saving money. And also too, whenever you think about it, so our office space today, it's also funny too. We moved into a new office space right before COVID. And then we... We have a very nice, lovely, empty office space most of the time. Um, <laughs> so I think it can fit 75 people today. And we were very concerned whenever we moved in in 29, November of 2019 that we were going to quickly run out of space. Oh, now, now because of COVID, one, we've changed our hiring policy. We hire people that are remote. They live in other states. They don't live in the headquarters in Dallas. And so... You know, we're able to hire the best people out there because we don't require them to relocate. But now we can also change up how we think about the, the office space as it is today and going, well, do we really need this many desks? Probably not. So what do we want the space to look like? And so it, it is going to be interesting in the next, you know, I think six months to a year of going, it's not going to be business as usual before COVID. Probably for us, it's going to be a very big hybrid model of it. And we want people to be able to live the life that they want and still be happy, healthy employees. And I say that too, and, I, and, if, and if any business leaders, leaders are listening and going, Julie, you're talking a lot of fluff because, you know, we got to make money as a business. Like I get it. But I think the whole part of the company culture piece of it is that if you don't have happy employees, you're not going to have happy customers because that translates. And if you have people that are unhappy, then they're going to leave the business. And then you have to pay the cost of onboarding brand new people. 
If you have a senior person leave the company, they may end up taking customers with them. It's this trickle on effect of what company culture can actually do to a business's bottom line. And a good company culture is actually very profitable for a company where a bad company culture, you got to deal with a lot more stuff than if you were actually just trying to build a place that people want to work. Definitely. So I know that you and I sitting here, it sounds like you have a, a really good company culture that you're working with. I know that I'm really happy with the company culture that I'm in, but let's say you're not sure where you sit or stand. How do you know if your company culture is healthy and successful? I would say the first thing, regardless of company size, survey your employees routinely. Mm-hmm. Now, this doesn't mean survey constantly. Don't do that. But maybe it's once a year or twice a year that you survey your employees. And it could be as simple as a net promoter score survey. I will say this. I mean, going through survey training through the Society for Marketing Professional Services, writing surveys is a beautiful art form. And, you know, using a survey like the net promoter score, it's one question, very simple to the point. There's other surveys out there that are very much more in depth and you can get a lot more information out of them. So like for my company, we actually use our local business journals, uh, best places to work survey that is done by a third party that is, that's their whole business model is that they develop surveys. We get a lot of great insight out of that. And I talked about our company retreat earlier. We actually take all the results from that survey and present them at our company retreat. And then we find the gaps where we need to improve and, tr- and work on those at the company retreat. So like we we dive into that information, we use it, everyone in the business knows about it, Nothing nothing's hidden, everything's transparent. So I think getting a pulse of where your employees are, you know, for a small company, you're gonna look at it and go, okay, well, I, I know what it, I know what it feels like to work here because, you know, when I started Back Tech, there was 12 of us. I could tell you exactly what everyone thought about the business because there was only 12 of us. But, you know, now that we're 60 and we have a lot more people coming on board, we're in a fast growth environment. Like, how do you know if what we're doing is the right thing? And these big annual surveys are very helpful. We also use a weekly system to do a check-in. And so in those weekly check-ins, we can actually set up questions for the whole company to gauge how they're feeling and how they're doing. So that is also helpful in it. And their manager can see it and the leadership team can see that. So you really have to get the feedback from the business itself. The other thing is too, so I've talked a lot about surveys. The other part of it is too, is looking at what is your churn rate of employees? How long are people staying at the company? You know, I know that there's tools out there like Glassdoor where you can leave a review on a company and, and get some insights. But, you know, if you see a constant revolving door of, let's say engineers, well, there's probably something wrong in an engineering group. Or if you see a constant revolving door of your accounting team, there may be something wrong in the accounting department. And then you have to go in and, and deep dive into it. And the worst thing to do is to get the feedback at the exit interview, because then how do you fix it at that point for that person? And also the person that's living it, you want them to be part of the solution if something is wrong. And if they leave, then you're just fostering an environment that, you know, maybe is not holding on to the best and people in, that you want to hire. So it's it's a lot of listening. It's a lot of looking for those trends in just the business itself of who's happy, who's 
who's uh, hitting goals, who is people want to, to go to lunch with them and hang out. There's one thing of people hitting goals. And then there's another thing of people hitting goals because they've been stepping on other people. Definitely don't want that. Right. But I think it's the survey and then looking just at your data and, you know, for big companies that have HR departments, the HR team usually has that information. The other thing for smaller companies, you, you know, whenever someone's left because it hurts, because all of a sudden, you know, again, if you have 12 people and somebody leaves, oh my gosh, and that person's work has to land on someone else's desk and you feel it. And, you know, we also, we defined our core values at Beck Technology probably six or seven years ago. And the way that we did that is that we sent out a survey and asked people to give us three words that described our company culture. And then, you know, I created this word cloud and then the three big words that came out of that word cloud were passion, innovation, and caring. And so it wasn't something that the leadership team made up. It wasn't something that we hired a consultant to do. We just asked our team members at the time, hey, do the survey because we're starting to put some stuff in place. So I think there's a lot of things that people can do in-house, especially as marketers. Marketers are really good at writing surveys and sending those out and communicating. And so, and also having tools like word clouds, because I think a lot of people out there wouldn't be, know what a word cloud is. So being able to use tools like that to really decipher how is your business doing and, and how is it working and how, where can you improve it is going to be very beneficial. So what role do you see marketing playing in this conversation and leadership? Where is the balance there? So I'm going to say this marketing for a company should be the booster of the company's messaging. Mm -hmm. So Marketing is not coming up with the messaging, but they are finessing it. And then they also know of all the channels to send it out on. So internally, if you have a company portal, put it up on the company portal. If you're having a company-wide meeting, make sure it's added to the agenda, stuff like that. I don't believe that marketing should be the one to drive every initiative whenever it comes to company culture. They may be the right department or the right individual to help make sure that, you know, a company culture event goes off without a hitch, but they shouldn't be the one driving it. The one that should be driving it is the leadership team. Because again, if you have one department that is doing a lot of the work, but then leadership doesn't show its support or verbally talk about the support that they have for that, it goes by the wayside. It's just one of those things of, well, the CEO doesn't see value in it, so I'm not going to see value in it. And so the leadership team really has to set that example and find the ways for the company to reinforce the company culture. And I said before, the marketing team, they have experience with writing surveys and creating surveys and sending those out. I mean, we do it with our customers all the time. And so, and there's resources out there that I think marketers just have access to about writing good survey questions. And then also deciphering that data is also, I think, a unique skill set that marketers have. So I think marketing can help get the information in and disseminate the messaging about company culture, but it shouldn't live in marketing. It has to live in every single department at a company because, again, let's change the name of the department. So instead of marketing, let's say it is accounting that is driving the company culture conversation 
like it would be weird of like why is why is accounting doing this company culture event why are they doing this lunch and learn about our core values instead it could be hey across the board the leadership team is is going to do a lunch and learn about core values and then for each department it's going to be pushed down and we're going to have conversations about the core behaviors you know that really make up who we are as a business and, and what we're expected so it's it's not that marketers should drive the conversation. They can definitely throw it out there to the masses and make sure that people are viewing it and seeing it. But the leadership team is the one that really needs to drive it home. And again, if the leadership team says, hey, this isn't important for us, then that's where your company culture is going to stop. Yeah. Well, that's all I've got for you. Thank you so much for joining me and elaborating on this subject. I think it's something that is going to take a lot of exploration in the future, but we're, we're scratching the surface. Company culture is one of those things that is constantly evolving and changing, and it's a lot of fun, but also I think especially right now, it's making sure that the company culture that we grew and loved pre-COVID is going to be even better post-COVID. Absolutely. All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap for this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Julie. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe. New episodes are now released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.